pastoring Xavier Reese and the ongoing covenant of grace. Some people think God enjoys scaring people and seeing them go to hell. Others think it is unfair of God to make man and then prohibit him to live the way he wants rather than according to God's standards. The warning of God about coming judgment is that individuals might escape the judgment to come. That's what warnings are usually for, to uh, save people. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Remember growing up when someone was getting in trouble, it was never your fault, but always your siblings? Well, it didn't take long for your parents to figure out the truth. Now today, as he continues his study in the book of Ezekiel, Pastor Xavier points to the simple truth, we are accountable for our own sins. Let's join him for today's lesson, God is a man of his word. Ezekiel chapter 20, we're going to be looking at verse 45 to all of chapter 21 because it's an entire section. Ezekiel has just declared the personal responsibility of every person for their own sin in chapter 18. And then he illustrated that by the punishment of two kings in chapter 19 of Jehoiahaz and Jehoiachin. In chapter 20, the elders have come to inquire of Yahweh, but he refused their audience and had Ezekiel judge them by rehearsing their long history of rebellion, both of their fathers and themselves to the present day. God's judgments are perfect, as you know, and his ways past our finding out. For he is the epitome of holiness, and no one has ever or will ever be shortchanged by God. Yahweh here, through the prophet Ezekiel, has been declaring the judgment to come through sign sermons, allegories, parables, lamentations. The Jews in Babylon didn't want to believe the word of God. They were unrepentant. They rather believed the false prophets that were declaring the soon return of the captives in Babylon, that they would return to Jerusalem. And they were trusting the treaty that Zedekiah had made with Egypt to defeat Nebuchadnezzar, as you know. And therefore, judgment could no longer be averted. It was certain, and it was near at hand. The date is the seventh year from the captivity of Jehoiachin, 590 B.C. The fifth month is August on the 10th day. Chapter 20, verse 1 gives us that date. Remember that Ezekiel was called on the fourth month, July, of the fifth day of the fifth year, 592 B.C. And again, all of that is from the captivity of Jehoiachin. We get that date in the opening chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. It is, he has been prophesying for two years and about a month up to this point. It is 11 months and five days from the last date, the sixth year, 591 B.C., the fifth of the sixth month, September. And we get that date in chapter 8, verse 1. The next date, is two years and five months to the day on the ninth year, January the 10th of 588 B.C., on the 10th day of the month, the day Nebuchadnezzar started the siege against Jerusalem. That date is given to us in chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. 
So you get an idea of, of these prophecies up to this point have been relatively short within two years. The next one again will be chapter 24, which will take us a little bit further in, two years more. Thirteen times Ezekiel dates his prophecies. If you are real careful to note them, you'll be able to see the accuracy of his book. Now, the prophet Ezekiel prophesies of the final judgment to Judah here that would end the Davidic throne until the Messiah through three movements. Chapter 20, verse 45, down to chapter 21, verse 7, is the first movement. The prophetic prediction and interpretation of the judgment. The prediction and the interpretation is given to us. The second movement comes in chapter 21, verse 8 to 17. There we have the prophetic description of the sword judgment. And the third movement comes in chapter 21, verse 18 to 32. The prophetic expedition to fulfill the judgment. Let's begin here. Let me read 45 to 7. Furthermore, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face towards the south, preach against the south, and prophesy against the forest land, the south. And say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree and every dry tree in you. The blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then I said, O oh Lord God, they say to of me, does he not speak parables? And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face towards Jerusalem. Preach against the holy places and prophesy against the land of Israel. And say to the land of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against you. I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you, because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Therefore my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from the south to the north, that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of its sheath, it shall not return any more. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, Why are you sighing? That you shall answer, Because of the news, when it comes, every heart will melt, all hands will be feeble, every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming and shall be brought to pass, saith the Lord God." This is the prophetic prediction and interpretation of the judgment. Notice, 45 through 49, the judgment is predicted by a parable. The authority behind the parable, again, is Yahweh, God. In the previous chapter, God refused to be inquired of the elders. And he told Ezekiel to judge the people, the elders, by rehearsing the history of their father's rebellion. In chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. Ezekiel rehearsed their, their history from chapter, uh, verse 5 to 31 of chapter 20. Long history of rebellion up to the present day. And then Ezekiel then said God would ultimately restore them in the future in the kingdom. But that would not take away from the judgment to come. In verse 32 through 44. So sometimes God gives it and then he jumps into the future where God will restore the kingdom age and the millennium. But that does not escape what is going on? 
So we've got to follow the divisions real closely. The context is very, very important when you're reading the Bible. Now, notice the particulars of the prophecy are stated, verse 46 to 48. In Ezekiel was to set his face in the direction of the south, um, being in Babylon towards Jerusalem, and to preach or literally to drop the word against it, prophesy against the forest land, the, the south, just as he had done to the mountains of Israel in chapter 6. So he would turn towards the direction visually because he is assigned to Israel. He's giving these sign sermons. Remember that. Now, the south here indicates Judah, the southern kingdom of David, possibly all the way down to the Negev, as we're going to see the interpretation of verse 1 through 7 in the next chapter. He says, set your face, a common phrase that is given to Ezekiel, because he was to demonstrate everything like in a theater to get the attention of the audience. Verse 47 to 48, Ezekiel was to declare a complete and total destruction by the hand of God. Again, symbolic of the fire here. It's a parable that he's speaking, and he's going to tell us that at the end. That's what the people are going to complain about. Now, the righteous and the wicked are included. I say to the forests of the south, verse 47, hear the word of the Lord Yahweh. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree, every dry tree, the righteous and the wicked, as we're going to see. The blazing flame shall not be quenched. All faces from the south to the north shall be scorched in it. So it's complete. None will escape. All flesh shall see it. I, the Lord, have kindled. It shall not be quenched. Now, the objection of the prophetic parable was expressed by the people in verse 49. Notice, the frustration of the prophet is evident. Then I said, oh, Lord God. <laughs> you know, Paul said, you know, the more I love you, the less I be loved. But it's okay. As people, we're bad news. You know that? <laughs> As long as uh, we hear all that we want to hear and people are not ruffling our feathers, they're the greatest people in the world. But once we get confronted with truth, I can't believe him. You know, I always trusted him, believed him, but I can't believe he said that. Well, really? Well, if it's man's opinion, then confront him. But if it's God's word, hey, it's yours. People are very fickle, particularly today. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be messed with. Well, God's word messes with you. The Bible is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. The prophet Ezekiel quotes the words of the people, complaining they could not understand him. They say to me, does he not speak parables? And so, in verse 1 through 7 of chapter 22, the judgment is interpreted by God to be that of Jerusalem. They couldn't understand so the word of the Lord comes to, Jer to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel here, and he gives them straightforward revelation, the interpretation of what they didn't understand. Notice the connection. Verse 1 and 2, the call to proclaim the clear judgment is in response to the complaint of the people. The authority again is divine. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel saying. The prophet is addressed by the usual title, Son of Man, referring to his humanity. He's one like you and I, 93 times in the book. The prophet was to prophesy against the land of Israel. Notice that, real clear. He was to set his face against Jerusalem, very specifically indicative of the south from Babylon. He's in Babylon. He's looking south. He's to preach against the holy place, the temple, because remember chapter 8, all the abominations in the temple, right? He was to prophesy against the land of Israel, which encompassed Judah, the northern kingdom. 
had already gone into captivity in 722. So he's talking about Judah, the southern kingdom. Assyria had taken her captive in the north already. Now notice the devastation of the judgment would be at the very hand of God. This is confirmed, verse 3 through 5. Mark it well. God was going to fight against them. Wow, verse 3. Straightforward. You don't understand me? Listen, I'm going to fight against you. Whoa. He was to say to the land of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you. He would be the executioner. Listen, in verse 3 there. And I will draw my sword out of the sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. There's no contradiction. The wicked that had not repented would be judged, and the righteous who had returned to evil would also be judged. Chapter 18 interpreted that for us. The righteous and the wicked. Remember? Are there no innocent people killed during this time? Of course. Just as the rain falls on the just, the unjust. Is God unrighteous? Nope. He knows who. He takes care of it. Notice verse 4. The judgment would be complete and entire through the land. God repeats his involvement, making it emphatic, because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you. God also repeats the judgment of, for emphasis. Therefore, I, my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from the sword to the south. Completely. He keeps emphasizing. This is not monotonous talk to, to bore people so they can go to sleep. This is a dangerous time. This is a crisis. Notice verse 5. The purpose of the judgment is stated. To allow all to know it was judgment from heaven. That all flesh may know that I, the Lord Yahweh, have drawn my sword out of its sheath. No coincidence. No natural disaster. The phrase that they may know that I am Yahweh appears 70 times in the book. God does what he does so that you may know he's on the throne. To allow all to know that there will be no more delay. It shall not return anymore. Their false hope had come to an end. I notice verse 6 and 7. The message of judgment by the prophet is to be another sign sermon. He's done many already. Verse 6, the posture of the prophet was to demonstrate by acting out the personal horror of the day. He was to sigh with a breaking heart, being a son of man, human, flesh. He understands pain. It expresses his breaking heart. He was to sigh with bitterness before their eyes, expressing their resentment and regret, and the regret for the refusal to repent. God had made him a sign to the people in Ezekiel 12:6. A sign. Notice verse 7, the purpose of this sign sermon was for the people to inquire why he was carrying on with the sign. We've, we've had many sign sermons of him as he's dug through a hole in the wall, as he's laid on one side and the other, as he's um, laid a siege before the city with the frying pan, all this and that, the hairs, all of that, shaving his head. So many sign sermons. Now notice, God said, and it shall be when they say to you, verse 7, why are you sighing? Then the prophet was to tell them that he was acting out what they would do when they heard the news of Jerusalem being destroyed at Tel Aviv. That's where they were at. Remember, that's where he got his visions. 
In the twelfth year of their captivity, on the tenth month, the fifth day, when someone had escaped from Jerusalem, they would come and tell Ezekiel. Chapter 33, 21 tells us. And when they heard that, then this pain would grip them as he was demonstrating. The horror, listen, when it comes, every heart will melt. All hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint. And all knees will be weak as water. You want some more descriptions? He's saying the strongest, the baddest, the biggest mouth is going to shut up. They're going to be scared. The certainty, behold, it is coming, and it shall be brought to pass, saith the Lord God. How often people respond to the Bible just like the people of Ezekiel's day. They say, oh, the Bible's too hard to understand. Don't even try to read it. Others say the Bible is not really relevant for today. It's out of date. And still others say it is a dangerous book. Don't try to understand it because only the Pope and the Catholic Church and special people can understand it. Not so. It's the word of God for man. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The apostle says, We thank God that you received the word of God as the word of God, not of men. They received it. Yet the Bible record is known and understood by all who have been told about it. People just don't want to believe that it's the true record. Any person can pick up the Bible and read it. And they can understand the words, the warnings, the promises of God. We can understand the stories. The need is for the conviction that what is read and heard is truth as God's revelation. That's by the Holy Spirit of our hearts open. But every person can pick up the Bible if they've had an education and they can understand the words in the story. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it alive that I believe that it is true and that there is a God and that I need to repent. So man is not ignorant about the history of God and man. The warning of God about coming judgment is that individuals might escape the judgment to come. That's why God warns. That's what warnings are usually for. To uh, save people, not to endanger them. Some people think God enjoys scaring people and seeing them go to hell. Maybe because of bad representation from some preachers. They're always uh, mad. (laughs) they're always yelling from the pulpit and so people get an idea that's God others think it is unfair of God to make man and then prohibit him to live the way he wants rather than according to God's standards and they think they have the right to judge the creator because they refuse to believe that they were created by a creator they think they swung from a tree at one time it came from, from some muddy ook. And still others will fall God and charge him of being unjust. By allowing all the pain and atrocity to take place in the world, not realizing that what we see in the world today is not what God intended. But it's the continual result of man's rebellion against God. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3.9 says, 
He's long-suffering. He's patient. The number of judgments recorded in the Bible are for the benefit of those who have an open heart to God. They're written for our examples, our admonition. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, lest we come that way. To see themselves as sinners before God. That's what the judgments are recorded. As we read them, that we consider why those judgments fell. To see themselves in need of repentance to God. And to see um, themselves in need of the power to live the life of God. That they can't do it in themselves. It comes through repentance. And so the prophetic prediction and interpretation of the judgment was from God. You see, we're not left to our own interpretation. God interpreted his own parable. Now, the second movement comes in verse 8 to 17, the prophetic description of the sword judgment. This is where it gets real descriptive. This section has been called the song of the sword. It is believed that Ezekiel delivers some of his sermons singing, by the way. <laughs> uh, he had, did all kinds of weird things. <laughs> Verse 8 through 11, the preparation of the sword for judgment is given to us. The proclamation is one of eminence. It's coming. In verse 8 and 9, the message again is divine from heaven. Listen. And again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, verse 8, the Son of Man was to communicate as Yahweh's mouthpiece the seriousness of the prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, says the sword a sword is sharpened and also polished. He was giving them a vivid picture of the preparation of the instrument. The event is and would be fearful. Look at verse 10 and 11. The command to prepare the sword is declared. In verse 10 there, sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter. Polished to flash like lightning. Fearful to see a sword coming towards you. He describes it very vividly. The somberness of the event is by the ludicrous rhetorical question in verse 10 there. Should we then make mirth? Meaning, should we rejoice? No. You should fear. You should make preparations of your heart. The great judgment would fall on the king. It despises the scepter of my son as it does all wood. The sword is sharpened and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer, which we're going to see is who? Nebuchadnezzar. God's bringing the judgment, but it's through the instrument of Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 8, 9, and 10, as he slew those in the temple, it was the angel of death, but it was the hand of God. And it would be through the instrument of Nebuchadnezzar. Same thing. Now notice verse 12 through 14, the execution of the sword in judgment is described. Verse 12, the prophet was to act out the grief of the message again. He was to cry and wail as a son of man, again, as humanity. He was to understand that all-inclusiveness of the judgment. Listen, for it will be against my people, against all the princes of Israel. Terrors, including the sword, will be against my people, from the throne to the most common person. It was to portray himself in despair, in the inability to do anything over the judgment, therefore strike your thigh. You understand? You say, oh, I, I, there's nothing I can do. 
It's done. There's no escape. The prophet was to be vividly communicating through his actions the severity of the judgment. Pastor Xavier Reese and the danger of playing with sin. And don't miss the next edition for more from the Simple Truth Study. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up a copy on CD for just $4. And the title to ask for is, God is a Man of His Word. Now, make sure you share this study with a friend when you're through. So, once again, the title to ask for is, God is a Man of His Word. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can check on the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How much grace does God bestow on the rebellious? We'll find out during the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 